Space Hardline Quick Look. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at in the world. This is Jason Jones, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side as the host. They are the ones at the wheel. They're the ones that are steering these this boat, this ship through these crazy chaotic waters that we call life. So welcome to a His Hardline Quick Look. We are going to be proceeding in part four in reading the Field Training Manual 2000-25. So, so far we have put out three of them now. Okay, and as we get along further in this field training manual, it will start, you will start to uh, connect dots and start to be able to make sense of some of the things that are in this field training manual. So we're just going to get right into it because the first few episodes I kind of described and explained the history of it and why, uh, why it was developed and how FDR tried to destroy it and stop all prints of it because he... He wanted anything that was discussing a democracy in a negative light destroyed. And again, this field training manual um, discusses how we return a nation back to a representative republic uh, per the Constitution. So we're going to get right into it. So we're going to be talking about the development of civilization in this part here. So civilization had its beginning in the establishment of the family. Then in the grouping of families, tribes, states, and nations. Now, through these various stages, there was developed a crude order of society based on primarily upon the will of an outstanding individual with power to enforce that will be that will by control of physical forces and the means of livelihood. Thus was established the basis of society imperfect in its form, inadequate in its results, yet containing the essential elements for refinement and progress, social intercourse, protection, and advantages. Now, with regards to mutual relationships, in the beginning, lacking means of communication and transportation and confining efforts principally to the production of mere necessities of life, individuals in groups lived largely independent of each other. With increasing wants, the result of enlightened intellect with increasing facilities in transportation and communication, with development of ability for invention and improvement, independence gave way to interdependence to such a degree that that today the welfare of every individual is woven into the fabric of modern society. Now, as it pertains to community relationships, if you destroy the dam built by a colony of beavers, they set about its reconstruction using the identical plan, method, and tools common to their species throughout all generations. Animal intelligence contains no quality that enables improvement beyond the inherited abilities or instinct of its kind. So herein lies the marked distinction between the highest type of animal and the lowest type of human intelligence. Man possesses the ability to profit by the accomplishments of the past to improve and develop. Now upon this ability, the development of past civilizations has depended. Now upon this same ability, the civilizations of the present and future are predicated. Now out of this now, out of this have grown community relationships established in order, in ordered society, 
upon the law of reason, subplanting the law of will, and ever increasing in its benefits to all with the growing understanding of rights and worth of the individual member of society. I'm going to pause for a second. So as I'm reading this, just keep in mind, if you hear me stumble over a few things, it's because of uh, <laughs> it's because of some of the spelling and how words are. And maybe it's correct and we've been taught wrong. I don't know. But like when I was talking about just earlier about the beavers, right, and how it built. So it said in the last sentence, in that one sentence with regard to the colony of beavers, in that sentence it says, if you dis- this is what it actually reads, if you destroy the dam, build it by a colony of beavers. Build it does not sound grammatically correct. So I had to make my own correction and, and said, you know, and inserted built. So if you hear me stumble, that's why um, there's some things on, you know, how these sentences are structured. It makes it a little challenging to read because sometimes it sounds like a run on sentence. So um, if you hear me struggle, that's part and parcel why. Now, with regards to coordinated action, Coordinated group action has strength in so far as its members work together for the attainment of a common purpose, the subordination of self for the good of all. Only by helping others can we help ourselves. Very, very true. He profits most who serves best. Wow, that is very profound. He profits most who serves best. And see, if you and I'm pausing here for a minute, this goes to show you and not that we should be serving in order to make a profit and be wealthy, but you know, there's a very good reason why Jesus Christ, not to round this out into a biblical aspect, but there's a reason why Jesus Christ asked us to, to serve one another. Okay? We are meant to be givers, not takers. Okay? And so when you serve one another, at some point you will see the the fruits of you know, you will see rewards for that. And again, not that we should serve and give our time with expectation of receiving, because again, that would make you a taker. But I love this quote, he profits most who serves best. I love that. So in the development of her strength, wealth, and accomplishments, America is founded upon the establishment of successive communities bound together individually and collectively by interdependent relationships created and coordinated in home, school, church, and local self-government, as expressed in town meetings in which each individual member contributed his part to that greatest of all forces, by which the character of the people of our nation is sustained and developed. Now, with regards to the national relationships, in the development of our colonies, the need of protection for person and property of coordinated of, excuse me, of cooperation in the development of resources, of exchange of products and labor in the creation of comforts and wealth, of consolidated action in resisting oppression and establishing rights created a national relationship, building communities and states in a federation designed for the welfare of all. Now, with regards to the Articles of Confederation, now under the Articles of Confederation, Trade rivalries separated the new states from each other. There was an emphasis of state over national interest. One state lost its supply of cheap manufacturing material. Industries suffered from want of coal. Factories from lack of material. Markets were limited. Economic barriers were set up. No cooperation existed. Exclusiveness prevailed. 
Now, with regards to the Constitution, now, again, remember, this was written back in 1928. This was when this was released, I should say. Now, grown now to a union of 48 states working in the spirit of harmony and cooperation, restricted yet greatly benefited by our Constitution and statutes. We have come to be in a point of wealth, attainment, and influence and influence one of the outstanding nations of the world. Under our Constitution, the departments of government are set up for the express purpose of coordination and cooperation for the general welfare of the nation. Now, as it, as it pertains to interstate commerce, notwithstanding the sovereignty of each of the states composing our union, great freedom is enjoyed as to residents, travel, trade, and property rights among their citizens, which has developed an interstate commerce of tremendous volume and worth. Commerce among the states embrace navigation, intercourse, communication, travel, the transit of persons, transmission of messages by telegraph. And that was uh, stated by Justice Harlan. Now, railways, air transports, postal service, telephones, telegraph, radiograms, all help to unite the nation by an exchange of goods or information so that the citizen, so that each citizen may know and profit by what the others are doing. And so the Interstate Commerce Commission contributes to the development of a more perfect union, which is an active association for cooperative effort. And this commission touches the various interests of all of the people. So its benefits of regulations are in the interest of public necessities. So it provides for a quick settlement of labor disputes affecting interstate trade and transportation and the control of which is lodged in the federal government. Now, as it pertains to international relationships, in the development of those international relationships which are in accord with the principles of interdependence, each nation must assume a larger responsibility and take a more active part in world affairs. And due to the remarkable progress of civilization, isolation is no longer possible. International problems developing from ever-changing economic and political conditions demand consideration and application of the principles of interdependent relationships as the means of securing the general welfare of mankind. And as Roosevelt once stated, I demand that the nation do its duty and accept the responsibility that must go with greatness. Now, as far as the State Department is concerned, the State Department is a, quote, friendly relations department, end quote, of our government. By treaties and diplomatic negotiations, beneficent relationships with foreign countries are secured and insured, establishing a spirit of accord and amity without which it would not be possible to carry on our part in the world affairs to the good of all concerned. Beneficial to person and property, the efficacy of our Constitution lies in the fact that it contains a statement of fundamental purposes relating to human associations and plan for their accomplishment, susceptible of such interpretation as to make their applicable to changing conditions. Now, among the purposes set forth in the preamble of the Constitution are, quote, domestic tranquility, end quote, and general warfare, welfare. Excuse me. 
Now, the accomplishment of these purposes is based upon observance, observance of the principles of interdependent relationships. Now, as we get into law, there's uniform acceptance and observance. And so the security of persons and property is one of the inherent rights of mankind. It is guarded and guided by statutory laws, uniform in their restrictions and benefits so that every citizen is fully protected in his rights. Uniform laws are valuable in their benefits in proportion to uniform acceptance and observance. Now, may a man have complete personal liberty? May a man do as he pleases? He may, provided he is not a member of an organized society, but to attempt such action as a citizen constitutes him an outlaw in such ratio as his independence interferes with the rights of others and breaks down the structure of government. Let's reread that for a second. So to attempt such action as a citizen constitutes him an outlaw in such ratio as his independence interferes with the rights of others and breaks down the structure of government. All crime is ignorantly or willfully a violation of the principle of interdependent relationships. Hmm. So it just goes to show you that man cannot have, you know, may go as he pleases and do what he wants. Because again, if you, and this is me speaking now, I'm not reading, because if you're going on and you are, you're, um, inter, uh, you're, if you're, if, if basically you're, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you are violating the rights of others, that is a big problem. You cannot do that. And so by the definition, you would be considered an outlaw. And so experience has revealed that the necessity for united action to assure the greatest protection to the individual, neither in person nor property, will the individual find security without the assistance of his neighbor, community, state, and nation. Amen. Especially within in your own community, in your own backyard. And so the higher the value we place on human life and welfare, which, side note, up until Roe v. Wade finally got, you know, overturned, we definitely seem like society has not placed a high value of human life per the high number of abortions we have had to see take place in this nation. But the higher the value we place upon human life and welfare and the greater our accumulation of property, the more we must rely upon interdependent relationships based upon justice and inspired by mutual confidence and reciprocal endeavor. You get my back, I have your back. Now, the beneficial to production. Industry is essentially the subjection of natural forces or the manipulation of natural material to uses of mankind. And it brings into action the worker, the engineer, the inventor, the organizer, the administrator, the combined energies of whom are liberated and set in motion by finance. And so with regard to the accumulation of capital, thrift is the foundation stone of effective economic interdependence. And so the individual must practice frugality, and I love this, the individual must practice frugality, engage in hard work, and acquire the habit of wise spending. So living within his means as to enable a saving of a portion of his product for of his labor. 
the in, in industry, wealth is the product of saving. It is secured in part by elimination of waste and the corresponding conservation of materials and labor practiced by both individuals and groups in saving or the accumulation of capital is as much the duty of the employee as the employer. It's very, very important. You see the reason why FDR wanted this field training manual destroyed. I mean, we're only on page, uh, what is this, 18? We're only on page 18. There's a reason why he wanted this destroyed because the very nature of this field training manual helps restore America back to a representative republic, back to a de jure lawful government where we self-govern ourselves under a republic, not a democracy. And so it goes over a lot of the fundamentals that need to be instilled in this nation in order to have a successful, strong nation. So as far as relationships between management and men, now to derive the greatest value from interdependent relationship between employer and employee, there must be created a spirit of goodwill and cooperation in which there is a recognition of mutual worth and mutual responsibility. The atmosphere surrounding the relationship between management and men must eliminate fear, apprehension, and uncertainty. Amen. Only by establishment of mutual understanding, confidence, and respect can effective cooperation and teamwork be secured. That employee renders best service who has an intelligent understanding of the relationship, or excuse me, of the relation of his part to the whole. Now, as far as results and progress, now bound together by the ties of common interest and mutual benefits, society has advanced from the crude hieroglyphic to the printing page, smoke signals from the Indians to radio, going from tallow candles to electric light, hollowed log canoe to the, uh, uh, boy, that's a big word for me, Oliviathian. Assuming that's just another version of a, of a boat. The ox-drawn prairie schooner to the airplane. And so with a nation of specialists, we are not just a nation of specialists, but, um, well, we are a nation of specialists because experience has taught us that greater benefits will accrue to one and all through each individual learning to do one thing well. The physician looks after our health, teacher gives instruction, the farmer grows the grain, the lawyer attends to legal matters, and others specialize in providing all the comforts and conveniences of home. Now, no one citizen builds his own home, manufactures the plumbing equipment, generates the electricity, constructs the heating plant, or provides the fuel for its operation. He does not pave the street. He does not put in his own waterworks or provide police and fire protection or really establishes his own school, church, hospital, or theater. And so with interdependence of capital, labor, and and consumer, individual necessities, comforts, and conveniences as now enjoyed are the product of accumulated capital and labor represented in modern organization, transportation, great factories, distant farms, tropical plantations, the trappers of the frozen Northlands, the fishermen of the seas and delivered daily to our homes by an army of tradesmen who administer to our wants and are in turn dependent upon us for their livelihood. 
Now, as far as the telephone goes, no better illustration of inter interdependence can be found than the story of that all necessary convenience, the telephone. It is difficult to imagine the diversified labor, the problems of transportation, the worldwide accumulation of materials, and the tremendous outlay of capital required in the manufacture of this marvelous instrument which receives and transmits the human voice regardless of distance. It's amazing, and, and yet we use these iPhones and we have all this technology supposedly right there at our fingertips, right in our pockets. There's more technology in, in these cell phones than I think most Navy ships had back in the forties and people just don't even bat an eyelash to it. But here they're talking about the marvels of transmitting a voice instantly, no matter where you're at in the world. And that's like marvelous to them. And it, and it still is marvelous. It really is actually, but men, toiling in the mica mines of India, in the, plant, plat, uh, in the platinum fields of the Ural Mountains, and in the forests and jungles of far, uh, far off Asia, Africa, and South America, in the great forests of the Northwest, in the iron, copper, and lead mines, and the great steel works of the United States produce the material that go into making of your telephone and the exchange controls. That's one thing a lot of people don't understand with their Teslas, that a lot of the uh, cobalt that's mined come from, uh, well, really poor third world, third world, my gosh, I'm sorry, I can't even speak today. Third world countries that have children slave labor, where they're maybe, maybe making $1 a day if they're lucky. And they're dangering, they're 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 mining dangerous elements, all for the sake of what? Having an electric vehicle? Get out of here. Now the following raw materials gathered literally from the four corners of the world are used. There's platinum, there's gold, silver, copper, zinc, iron, steel, tin, lead, aluminum, nickel, brass, rubber, mica, silk, cotton, asphalt, shellac, paper, and carbon. Now, with the assembling of raw materials and their fabrication in great factories into the completed instrument. There is added the work of organization and administration required in obtaining capital, franchises, building lines, and conduits, installation of switchboards, and training personnel. Your telephone call to all points of the compass is made possible by these materials and the labor of nearly 400,000 employees in the United States alone. Wow. Now, public utilities. The Public Utilities Corporation build great hydroelectric plants in this in one state for distribution of power to many. Now remember, we're talking about the 20s, late 20s, early 30s, right? Coal, copper, iron, ore are mined and transported to places of greatest advantage to industry. Railroad, telegraph, and telephone companies invest billions of dollars in properties and conduct their affairs to the benefit and profit of the nation. And great dams are constructed in the desert lands of many states made fruitful by the vast irrigation systems created. Capital is consolidated and labor employed farms in rich cities built, builded, cities build it. See, there's that word again, build it. See, I, I want to say built because build it does not sound right. And our citizens uh, pound together. Forgive me on this page. Cause again, this is such an old field training manual. These are, um, scanned in copies of the pages. So this has some letters that are cut off in the page. So bear with me on this page. I'm going to try to fill in the blanks as best as I can. 
Um, let's see here. Pound together in one cooperative, prosperous, happy union by the magic power of interdependent relationships. Now, business to ensure success must keep in closest touch with the ever-changing affairs of social, economic, and political conditions. Vast sums of money are spent on new products, improved equipment, research laboratories, inventions in creating new appetites and new markets. Man, trying to fill in the blanks on words that you can't see is really challenging, I must say. All right, now, beneficial to peace. Now, in America, a degree of independence is developed out of which is born the idea in the minds of many what a citizen of the United States may be a law unto himself. Re, uh, retaining? Retraining? Retaining? It's hard again. Can't see the letters. However, the disposition to regulate the other fellow. If he does not like the law, he seeks a way to evade it. Hmm, sounds like our cabal. And at the same time, shouting vociferously over the increase of crime and the lessened influence of our courts. Huh. <laughs> wow. He demands the highest wages obtainable and complains at the prices he must pay for the product of his fellow laborer. Sounds like still today. He insists upon his right to independence and liberty, yet is ever ready to restrict such action on the part of others. That citizen who has not developed the spirit of cooperation, understanding, and tolerance is at war with his fellow man. <laughs> so the utility of good men, now this is now Washington said this, the utility of good men is a basis on which the security of our internal peace and the establishment of our government may safely rest. It will always prove an adequate, adequate rampart against the vicious and disorderly. Now, again, that was by Washington. All right, three more paragraphs of words being cut off. All right, so as it pertains to unselfishness, every American citizen must guard against the spirit of selfishness, the inordinate desire for material gain, the temptation to live beyond his means and the tendency to find the easiest way to obtain the most and satisfying his constantly increasing um, wants. Yeah, wants. Honesty, individual and collective, national and international, inspiring confidence wherein there is neither room for trickery nor unfair practices in the basis of the principle of interdependent relationships, such honesty rests not so much upon legal rights as upon the golden rule. As far as the cosmopolitan character of population, the United States, in her philosophy of self-determination, emphasizes the idea and ideals of human rights and human associations. In the fulfillment of this policy, she opened wide her gates to the peoples of the earth inviting them to share with her the blessings of liberty. Somewhat less than half the racial stock of America, which is, uh, what is this, 108 million inhabitants are of British blood. Wow. Of the 95 million whites in 1920, 14 million were born in foreign countries and 23 million were of foreign or mixed parentage. 
Now, there are 1,672,000 Germans, 1,600,000 Italians, 1,250,000 Russians, 500,000 Czechoslovakians, 465,000 Austrians, 370,000 Hungarians, and there are 1,500,000 foreign-born over 10 years of age unable to speak the English language. This foreign population supports over 1,000 newspaper public thousand newspapers published in 30 different languages wow <laughs> wow let's see i'm just reading on the chat board real quick let me glance over there for a minute let's see here when one person puts demand on another person you have a form of government yes yes you do now there are no more untapped racial reserves now, as far as full privileges of citizenship, now the immigrant to America is particularly favored under the laws of the United States. Before the native-born youth can exercise the right of franchise, he must live under the influence of our system of government, acquire his education, and enlarge it through associations and experience for a period of 21 years from his birth to his majority. It is possible for the immigrant, 18 years or over, subject to certain restrictions to issuance of first papers with little education without the knowledge of our government, association, and experience, obtained only through years of residence to have granted to him the full privileges of citizenship five years after his arrival. Huh. Now, as far as resultant duties, in return for the opportunities and privileges established through her own sacrifices and paid for with the enormous exactions of treasure and human life, she expects and has the rights to demand that those who accept her hospitality shall respect her principles, that those who elect to live in the security and comfort of her homes and institutions shall give due honor and award full allegiance to her constitution and shall in no instance, either by choice or through ignorant acquiescence, seek to despoil the land in which were bred freedom, equality, and opportunity." The cosmopolitan character of the population of American emphasizes America emphasizes the burden which rests upon every citizen to become fully informed in the underlying principles and ideals of our Republican form of government. There's that Republican form of government that we were talking about. Man, this is a let me scroll down for a minute. This is going on a lot longer than I expected. Oh, no, we're almost done. OK, we're going to we're going to finish out the home stretch. I was going to say, because we're getting to 32 minutes now, and I usually try to keep it 25 and under. All right, so as far as class consciousness, class consciousness and class activity is the result largely of the intrusion of ideas of government entirely outside of the fixed principles set forth in our Constitution and should be no more tolerated in our country than we would expect our principles, if introduced by expatriated Americans, to be accepted by another nation. As far as the immigrant, not all problem. Interesting way to word it. The immigrant is not all problem. He has been one of the outstanding assets in the development of America. Slowly but surely, there is being assimilated and amalgamated. Wait, um, amalgamated. Ugh, boy, I can't speak today. Amalgamated. There we go. In this country. The bloods of practically all nations in the development of a racial stock of exceptional worth in its vigor, ability, and character. 
Now, as far as our opportunity goes, one of the greatest problems in the education assimilation and amalgamation of these various and numerous foreign groups into an understanding, harmonious, loyal, and upstanding American citizenship to this and succeeding generations is given the opportunity to develop from our homogenous character and outstanding race expressive of the highest principle ideals and traditions to which a God loving humanity, loving liberty, loving people can aspire. To accomplish this great work, there must be a completion of all differences which tend to create class consciousness and class hatreds. Tolerance, born of knowledge, understanding, respect, sympathy, and harmony engendered by the spirit of a common cause and purpose are essential in the interpretation of the principles of the interdependent relationship. Wow. And yes, Raccoon Six said it best, democracy is one step away from communism. This is one of the reasons why FDR wanted this, this field training manual destroyed, because it, it talked about democracy in a negative light. He wanted everything destroyed, including this field training manual. He wanted everything destroyed in all the manuals because it talked about democracy in a negative light and promoted the idea of a republic. Well, that's what we are. Sorry, that's what it, that's what it says in the Constitution. And that's what it says in all our state constitutions. I'm pretty certain I did not see the word democracy in any of our founding documents. Come to think of it, nope, I'm pretty sure it's not. And so that concludes um, this segment, this part four of the Field Training Manual 2000-25. We're going to continue on on another day. That, this one was a really long one. So, wow, I tell you what, I'm going to need a glass of water after that. I'm parched. But the next one, we're going to be discussing character, which is the greatest asset of America. So we're going to be talking about that and, you know, cooperation with others and national individual character, so on and so forth, physical character, et character, ethical character, and political character. Um, so we're going to be getting into that um, in section five, part five, when we come back uh, in a few days. And so tomorrow, let's see, tomorrow is Thursday. So all we're doing, going to do tomorrow is just a 1% with him, Bible reading, and that's it. Um, Friday morning, 8 a.m., we got a conversation with Donna Brandenburg. So we're going to have the Brandenburg block hour, 8 a.m. Next week, Friday, though, we're not going to. I'm going to have to let her know because, um, unfortunately, this guy has a root canal retreat to do, which actually is already done. I have to go and get a crown. And my appointment, unfortunately, is at 8.30, and so... That's going to be about, I don't know, it's going to be a long appointment, I guess. So, um, and I don't really want to do a podcast later on in the afternoon because Friday is my only day off. I do have to work Saturday. And so Friday is going to be deemed a podcast free Friday, um, at least for this week. And then we'll be back at it again next week, normal schedule. So that's all I got. Thank you for joining us at His Hard Line for another quick look at the field training manual 2000-25 part four. We'll see you tomorrow.